been a really wonderful time of fellowship already this morning at the 8 o'clock service. And I want to say a big thank you to Paul for inviting me along to share God's word. What a great privilege it is. I also want to thank you for your amazing years at Compassion, using your God-given gifts to serve kids living in poverty, and you've really left a wonderful legacy. So thank you very much, brother. Let me open in prayer. Actually, turn my timer on so I don't go over time. I probably will anyway. But anyway. Father, we thank you for Paul's letter to the Galatians, written by Paul, but in fact breathed out by the Holy Spirit. For us, to be reminded there's only one way to be saved, that is through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and that is your grace in our lives, that we're able to be saved by faith. And Lord, we're also told we can't get more saved, but we can live in a way that pleases the Spirit. We can sow in a way that pleases the Spirit. And help us today, Lord, to consider what that may look like for each of us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. I met a lady at the 8 o'clock service today, Jan. She's been serving. Does this sound okay? It's a bit... Too loud? Too Out, out. Yeah, I was deafening myself. Is that okay? Loud. Okay, cool. Thanks. Jan has been serving in music ministry since she was 13 years old for 69 years. You know what I would call that? I would call that not growing weary and doing good. I went and asked her after the 8 o'clock service, how long have you been doing this? Oh, since I was at boarding school when I turned 13. In the next slide, if we can just jump to my slides, you see Pastor Alindo. He's a man who's greatly inspiring to me. I've met him twice. He has not grown weary of doing good. He's been serving in that rubbish dump community where kids trawl through the rubbish along with their families. In fact, that rubbish dump had collapsed a couple of times, killing hundreds of people. He was a poor child himself, and he went to Bible college and went to the poorest place he could find. And he had been serving there for 30 years, but he'd only been with Compassion around 10 years. He'd been crying out to partner with Compassion. And you might think, this is horrible. What is wrong with Compassion? Why wouldn't they have heard his cry for help much earlier? Well, the truth is, there are communities like this everywhere, all over the world. We haven't got enough supporters to reach all the communities. So when you sponsor a child, you're enabling us not only to care for that child, but then to reach another child and perhaps later on another community. But I've seen worse than this. In Indonesia, in the next photo, you'll see homes that were built on a rubbish dump. This is one of our close neighbours in Indonesia. Kids were living in that filth. I remember walking through that. It was like walking through quicksand in my Timberland boots that were sinking. Went back to the hotel and washed them out to get rid of the stench. It was unthinkable that kids could live in a place like that. So I look at that and I think, okay, Pastor Alindo's in the Philippines. He's doing his work. Uh, but I'm one person in Australia. What can I do? Well, perhaps you can rescue one child. God's not calling on you to change the whole world. That's the job of our Lord Jesus Christ, to change the whole world. But you can rescue one child. And I think many of you already know that because many of you are already sponsoring children. Thank you very much for doing that. 44 children are being sponsored by members of your church, which is really wonderful. But also the idea of one person being rescued shouldn't be alien to us because that's our story too. Jesus speaks of leading the 99 to go and find the one. So if you trust in Jesus... You are that one. And also we're told in Galatians chapter 1 that we have been rescued by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read Galatians 1, verses 3 to 5. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, 
to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, if you're here today and you're trusting in the Lord Jesus, that is because you have been rescued. It's because the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes and encouraged you to look to Jesus, the Saviour. And we too are living in a present evil age. In Goulburn, in Sydney, in Australia, it's all around us, this present evil age. There's this horrendous evil. And that evil is called unbelief. And from unbelief, all other evil flows. All the terrible things happening in our world, it all flows from the horror of unbelief. But if you trust in Jesus, it's because Jesus has rescued you from unbelief. And in fact, we're told in the Bible we've been rescued, not to sit back and wait for the apocalypse, but to be God's co-workers, as we see 1 Corinthians 3, in our broken world. Or as we hear in Ephesians 2, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. Beautiful description of Christians, isn't it? We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I'm looking at Galatians today, but I'm actually looking at four Greek letters. And I want to consider what good works may be. What do those four letters mean? It's a root word that we see throughout the New Testament. Good works in Ephesians, doing good in Galatians. Well, as a clue, let's see what the apostles did. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2 to see what the apostles did. So in this passage, we see there are two groups. One group of apostles goes to the Jewish people. One group of apostles, is it the sound? <laughs> is the sound off? Should I jump to another mic? I need, I need to be rescued now. Keep it in your mouth. Yeah. Out to the side so the air doesn't get... Too much air? Too much air coming in there? <laughs> How's that? Is that okay? Is that great? Thanks. Yeah, it did sound... We okay? So there was one group of people, one group of apostles going to the Jews and one group going to the Gentiles, which basically is the whole of humanity. That's how the Bible distinguishes between, well, explains how all of humanity is either Jewish or Gentile, and they all have one solution for their sin, and that is to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. So both groups of apostles had one universal message, and there's been one universal message for 2,000 years, only one way to be saved. But did you notice in verse 10... There's another thing that they had in common, apart from that one gospel message about Jesus. The other thing they had in common was they were keen to remember the poor. Paul says, that was the very thing I was eager to do. And it's a strange phrase, isn't it? Remember the poor. But if you think about it in contrast, what's the opposite of remembering the poor? It's forgetting the poor, which is easy to do. Or it's being slow to remember the poor, because we're so... We're just trying to get by in, in our society today. Paul was eager to remember the poor. And this early eagerness of the apostles has continued for 2,000 years. Christians were characterised as loving people who cared for the oppressed and the hurting and the widow and the orphan. And the ancient Romans, they hated that about Christians. But Christians knew that was the heart of God. And compassions enabled my family to remember the poor for the last 20, 21 years. So Compassion is a Christ-centred ministry. The Lord Jesus Christ has been at the centre of Compassion's ministry for 71 years. That has not changed. We are child-focused because 
Children in the developing world are one of the most oppressed people groups and we're church-based. Jesus didn't give promises about compassion's future, but Jesus gave promises about the church. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he worked through a network of 8,500 evangelical churches of different denominations. And here's one of the kids we sponsored. That's my daughter, Julia. We met Panya Corn in 2017 on a trip with our Fig Tree Anglican Church, one of our partner churches. And that's Panya Corn with his dad. His mum had died of cancer two years earlier and dad was struggling to look after his son. But the church found him because Compassion's partner churches love their communities and they go deep into their communities and they find the kids who are in greatest need, the most vulnerable children. And they're invited into the partnership into the sponsorship program. They're grafted into a loving church community and they're blessed and cared for. Because our partner churches take every opportunity to do good. Well, in the next slide, you'll see that he's grown a bit. This was on a trip with Ashfield Presbyterian Church in June 2018. Remember when those boys were trapped in the cave? I think everyone remembers that. Well, you know the boy that spoke English? He was a Compassion-sponsored child. I remember being in Compassion Thailand's head office and they said, pray, pray for one of our kids. He's trapped in a cave with many of his friends. And that cave is quickly filling up with water. So it was a bittersweet trip. We know it was a good story. They were rescued. But I also saw that Penyagorn had grown. He was previously malnourished. He had grown quite a lot. He had a lot of behavioural issues when he began sponsorship. He was doing well. He had friends at school. He was actually excelling at school. He had dreams of becoming a school teacher. But I also saw what his father did. So you may not know you sponsor many children, but you may not know that you can also send child gifts or family gifts or birthday gifts. If you do that, 100% of the value of your gift will, get, will go to the child or the family. Nothing's withheld for admin. So I encourage you to think about sending family gifts and you get a letter and a photo back. Panyakorn's dad built that whole extension and he started a hairdressing business and he was cutting the hair of people in the village and he said he was getting by. So he had previously been working on construction sites a long way from home, and so he didn't have time to spend with his son. So he thought, I want to spend time with my son, I'm going to start a hairdressing business. And I thought, $100 has prompted a career change for, for his dad. A little bit of money here goes a long way in the developing world. In the next photo, you'll also see my daughter Penelope with Abraham. We sent $100, he sent a letter back saying, I bought sandals and a bed. I've never slept in a bed before. All this time, I've been sleeping on the floor. So I encourage you to think about sending family gifts to your kids. Back to the trip in 2018, in the next slide you'll see a photo of church service in Thailand. There's a long story about the fruit. If you want to come and talk to me afterwards, I'll tell you a great story about the fruit. But I remember speaking to Panyakorn's dad and I said, oh, I'm going to be speaking in the partner church that cares for your son tomorrow. Perhaps you want to come along and hear what the promises of Jesus say. He goes, oh, I'm not going to come to a church. I've never been in a church. I'm Buddhist. I thought, okay, he won't come. But I prayed about it and it was really moving. The next day, everyone's standing up and singing and then Panyakorn's dad walks in with Panyakorn. I'll never forget it. And everyone looked around and they sat down and they started clapping. So when you have visitors to church, that's what you should do too. <laughs> no, you shouldn't do that. But it was really moving for me. And I knew that God was at work here. I knew that there would be a harvest from this. 
And I found out what that harvest was when I went back in 2020. Here's a photo of Panyacorn. He's really grown now. He wrote in a letter, when you come to visit, because we told him we were visiting, can you bring me a stuffed kangaroo? So that's him and it, the stuffed kangaroo. Uh, it was a really wonderful trip. I think there were 17 of the best days of my family's life. My wife Cassandra and I and our four kids. Uh, we met five of the kids that we sponsor on that trip and Panyacorn was one of them. We had, we had a fun day at the world's most dangerous zoo, Chiang Mai Zoo. Really dangerous, meant it was actually a lot of fun. Like you could be sitting there talking to someone and the elephant's licking your ear. But we, we discovered some amazing things. In the next slide you'll see a photo of Panyacorn's pastor. He pastors the church that cares for 500 of the poorest kids in that community. And he said, after you spoke at the church and Panyacorn's dad came along, I went back to his home again and again and again and again. He's now a Christian. And so all we did was remember the poor. And God created this amazing harvest. He has rescued the life of a man. Now, I don't know if Panyacorn's a Christian or not yet, but Panyacorn's dad is reading the Bible to his son every night, which is a big difference to when we met them in 2017. We rejoiced and Pastor Sombat and his wife also rejoiced. They understand how powerful it is to sponsor a child. They've got 500 of the poorest kids in their community in their church. And he said that more than, well, around half of his church, perhaps more than half of his church, they're made up of people who first heard about the love of our Lord Jesus Christ through child sponsorship. And he gets how powerful child sponsorship is because he himself was a former Compassion sponsored child. And that's not an isolated story. He said many of the kids growing up in the sponsorship program when he was a child are now in church ministry. And that's been something that Compassion has been doing, raising up church leaders, community leaders, Christian parents for 71 years, simply because people like us have been eager to remember the poor and our generous God has greatly multiplied that generosity. Well, let's go from Galatians 1 and Galatians 2 and let's go to Galatians chapter 6 to think a little bit more about what doing good might be. I think we have a pretty good clue from the apostles. They were eager to care for poor people. That is doing good. And I'll reread Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. It's hard to believe we've been through three and a half years of a pandemic. Is it over? I don't know if it's over. My sister just had it. My wife and I just had it. I was pretty unwell. I was on antivirals. It's been a challenging time. If I asked you to put your hand up if you had a tough time during... I think most of us would put our hands up, whether it's financially we had a tough time, relationally, uh, mental health, physical health. It's been a really challenging time. And when Paul wrote this, I think he was having a challenging time. He was going from town to town, sharing the good news of Jesus. He said, in fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he despaired of life itself. That sounds like a pretty challenging time. He despaired of life itself. But this guy, who experienced so many challenges, he was relentless. He kept going. And that's his encouragement to us today. No matter what you've gone through in these pandemic years, just keep going. Don't give up in doing good. But what is doing good? Well, in verses 9 and 10, I see the same English word. Doing good, verse 9. Let us do good, verse 10. But in Greek, 
I see two different words. Now why do I point this out? The reason I point this out is because I'm Greek and I didn't speak English till I went to kindergarten. And in fact, I love Greek, I love the Greek language. I often find myself still thinking in Greek, it's my first language. And the New Testament is written in Greek. So when I see two different Greek words, it makes me think, what's the difference between that good and the other good? Well, in verse 9, that's the overarching word for good. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, it's that first word. But then in verse 10, it narrows down to something else. And it reminds me of some prayers that my mother used to teach me. There's a photo of us in the late 60s, um, Burke Street Congregational Church in Surrey Hills. Oh, no, it's not. That's coming up. <laughs> uh, Verse, sorry, if we go just one slide back. So Jesus says, you know, the guy runs to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, no one is good, agathos, there's that more specific word again, except God alone. And you can see it's the same root word. And now you can see the photo of me and my mum. So she taught me a prayer as a little boy. She was very poor growing up in World War II in Greece. And she taught me a prayer praying to the agathos God of the universe, the generous God of the universe, being so thankful for the agatha he had blessed me with. Food, friends, education, things that she didn't have a lot of when she grew up. And she taught me to pray thanking God for what I have so I would be grateful for what I had in Australia and asking him to look out for those other poor kids around the world who didn't have as much as me. Now, I was, in a, I was a bit of a slow learner. I didn't actually become a Christian until I was 27 years old. But I did actually pray that prayer a lot when I ate at various times. And there are other simple prayers that my mother taught me. But that prayer taught me to be thankful for God's divine generosity. Because I think that's what Agathos means. Because God is generous. He gives us sunshine. He gives us rain. He gives us a church family. He gives us life. Like when I was a child growing up, I don't know if you've had this, but I, I had a fear of non-being. So I remember around seven or eight years old, I would lie in bed at night and I'd be like, right, so if I don't exist, I don't have consciousness. Therefore, I don't exist. And I'd go into a cold sweat. But then I realized when I became a Christian, my identity was in Christ, that I've been created in Christ Jesus and I've been created for immortality to live forever with Christ. Because God is generous. And when Christians are living generous lives, it's not because we are good in ourselves, it's because we are connected to the generous God of the universe. We are told in the Bible more than 70 times that we are in Christ, we have union with Christ, we belong to Christ, our destiny is tied up with Christ. He empowers us. We see that in Galatians as well. We are in Christ. It's a beautiful image. We're also told if we are in Christ, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us, resides in us. Your ongoing generosity, it's unnatural. It's supernatural. It's from God. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. See that root word again? There's that root word again. Another English translation has that as generosity, which I think in this case is a better translation. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if we have this divine generosity in us through God's indwelling, how do we direct it? Well, by doing good to all people, 
Verse 10. Let's go back to Pastor Sombat. He reaches out to kids in his community who are from, some from Christian families, the majority are from Buddhist families, some of the families, uh, well, the parents practice witchcraft or engage in ancestor worship. Something terrible happened in a neighbouring country, Myanmar, during the pandemic. Military dictatorship took over. Thousands fled into Thailand. They fled over the border. You know what people know in the developing world? They know if you need help, you go to the church. If you read the Sydney Morning Herald or the SBS, watch the SBS World News, you're not going to hear how great the church is. You're just going to hear of any negative thing, any negative scandal. But the church has been a powerful force of good for 2,000 years. So these people fled into the churches and the churches cared for them, thousands and thousands of refugees. What they also brought with them was the Delta strain of COVID and many people got sick. And in fact, of the 500 children, 100 of them had to be taken to really good hospitals in Chiang Mai. Now, why do I tell you that? The reason I'm telling you that is because your sponsorship goes far deeper than you realise, physically and spiritually. Let's think about spiritually. In Thailand, sponsorship covers a child's medical expenses, siblings' medical expenses, and parents' medical expenses. Like, I would pay $48 a month just for that. But those kids weren't taken to the hospital in that town. My wife and I have been in that town. You would not want to be in hospital in that town. They were taken to a modern hospital a long way away. And by God's grace, they all survived. Pastor Sombat was doing good to all children and to all people, whether they were Christian or not, which I think is in line with today's passage. In places like Indonesia and Bangladesh and Burkina Faso, Compassion supports a lot of Muslim kids. Compassion also supports kids whose parents are engaged in illegal and dangerous activities. All kids. Reaching out to all kids. And you're reaching out to all kids through sponsorship too. Today I've got profiles of sponsored, unsponsored children who have already been registered but are waiting for sponsor in your partner churches in Manado in northern Sulawesi. When you sponsor a child, it's not an act of charity. It's doing good to all people, whether they're Christian children or not. And it's, we hope at Compassion, it's part of a child's discipleship process. We hope and we believe, and we have evidence to believe, that many of those children will grow up to become Christians, and many family members will grow up to become Christians, and many of those kids will do really well at school because they're being tutored after school. So what happens with compassion is many of the poorest kids in the community do best at school because they're receiving the most assistance. But it's also part of your discipleship journey, isn't it? When you write a letter saying, hey, I heard from Romans 8 how awesome God is and his plan of salvation for your life, and I heard that at church, and I'm praying that for you this week that you would know that personally. Well, that's a missional activity between you and a child. You're encouraging that child to trust in Jesus and God's plan for that child's life. So it's part of their discipleship journey. It's part of your discipleship journey. You have the privilege of praying for a child in developing world by name. That is an extraordinary privilege, but it's actually also good for you as a Christian to be able to do that. So I want to encourage you today, if you want to think about sponsoring a child, if you haven't already, we've got lots of profiles left over after the 8 o'clock service. People at 8 o'clock were super generous as well. Take that profile home and just pray about it. And God will make it evident to you if you should sponsor that child. There's a QR code on the back. 
you've got three weeks until that QR code stops working and then that profile is deconsigned. They no longer have the rights to hold that and it goes to someone else to look after. I've been a Christian for 32 years now and 20, 21 of those years, my wife and I have been sponsors and it's been a really wonderful journey for us. Um, God has empowered everyday garden variety anonymous Christians like us to do good to children in the developing world. And we've seen the harvest. In the next slide, you'll see some beautiful verses of scripture from Kara, one of our sponsor kids in the Philippines. She would write thousand word essays in her letters. Some of our kids write two lines and that's it. But Kara would write thousand word letters. And she would have these verses of scripture beautifully illustrated. So we've actually put some on canvases just to remind us of God's great promises. And in the top right, you see a response from her dad. She recently graduated from university with high distinction as a teacher. And uh, seeing that gratefulness from her dad made me realise that sponsorship's been good for me too, because I am seeing God changing lives. In the next slide, you'll see a final letter from my son, Marky's sponsor child, Gerriswanda. And he speaks about accepting Jesus through the program and also serving other people through the program, leading young people in Bible studies. I think it's just an awesome privilege that my family has been part of that. In fact, it's been a really awesome disciple-making privilege for my son. So just on Friday, we go to Irwood Anglican Church, and in his uh, Friday night youth group, Marky shared his testimony just on Friday night. And he gave us a printed, he said, oh, can someone record it? He thought that was uncool to record it, but he gave us his script. And in it, was a realisation, the aha moment that he had, because he's been on three compassion trips with me, that the people in the poorest parts of the world with the least amount of stuff are so happy in Christ. And it really made an impression on him. And he had also seen how Jesus had powerfully changed the lives of children and families. And that was part of my son's own Christian testimony in coming to Christ, as well as going out for the altar call at kick. It's a multifactorial thing, but it's got at work in my son's life. And it made me very pleased after 10 years, because you do that self-diagnostic and you think, have I spent my time well? Has this been a good thing for my family, being at Compassion for 10 years? And then I hear that from my son, I think, wow, it really is holistic discipleship. It's holistic in terms of, it's looking after the whole needs of the sponsor child, but it's holistic another way. It's blessing the child and blessing the sponsor. And uh, we've seen that through, through the lives of our sponsor kids. So let us do good to all people. But wait, did I get something wrong? Look, in the next verse it says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. <clears throat> I don't think especially is a great translation. I don't want you to lose confidence in the NIV. The NIV is a great translation. It's the one I read. Uh, but that Greek word, malista, and I still remember my dad when he was alive. He would use this word all the time. It just means emphatically, yes. It doesn't mean especially. There's actually another word for especially. What God is saying here is he's not saying, look, do good to Christians. And if you've got a bit of time and energy left over, then do some good to non-Christians. What it's saying is let's do good to all people. And yes, of course, you're going to look after the family of believers because you know that from John, John 14 to 17. You know that from the Bible. It's part of your Christian DNA. You're going to look out for each other. Look out for everyone, and of course you're going to look out for each other. And then family of believers, actually a beautiful, it's beautiful imagery. 
It's the word household in Greek. And if you think about it today, in 2023, with millions and millions of believers all over the world, we are one big global household. And some members of our household have done it really tough during COVID. So let us do good to members of our household as well. So does compassion bless the household of believers as well? Well, I'll take you on a quick trip to Indonesia now and we'll consider what that may look like, blessing the household. That's my son, Marky, with Geras Wanda. And in the next slide, you'll see that we met him in 2018. He lives at the base of a volcano. I remember one of my kids said, why don't they just move? Because the volcano is erupting regularly. They're in danger. We could hear a rumbling when we were there. I said, yeah, that's part of poverty. You don't have the option to just move. That little house, which is one room or two rooms, you've probably been there for generations. You don't, it's generational poverty. And one of the aims of Compassion is to get kids out of uh, generational poverty so that they have options. What I discovered on 10 trips with Compassion is when a child is sponsored, the church rejoices. You are enabling that church to bless the poorest kids in their community. And that's what they want to do. So you are blessing the household of believers by enabling poor, poorly resourced churches to reach their community, to care for their needs, and also to introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ if they don't know Jesus already. And when I visited these churches, they've told me again and again, oh, we are always praying for our sponsors. Sponsors are so meaningful for our church community because sponsors enable us to keep serving these kids. You guys are co-workers with us. So your generosity helps kids in Indonesia flourish and also protects kids from many dangers. There are many dangers facing kids in the developing world. One of the best things about Compassion is they are world leaders in child protection. They are hyper-vigilant so that kids aren't hurt. My family went back to Indonesia in 2020. That's Marky and Gereswanda. Gereswanda's grown up. Let's think about this. In the next photo, there's a photo of uh, my whole family with Gary's family. In that town, very remote village, there are a thousand people. 105 of those people are Compassion Sponsor Kids. So 10% of the entire village is in the sponsorship program as a sponsor child. But if you consider the positive impact on siblings and on adults, parents and caregivers, then at least half the town is being positively impacted by sponsorship. Now that is good for the household of believers because our brothers and sisters, the church community in that town, they want that whole town one for Christ. And they also want that town to have vocational opportunities so they can rise above poverty. And they're able to do that because of sponsors like us. One of the great things about, I told you about Thailand and the medical safety net. Each country has uh, different emphases. One of the biggest emphases in Indonesia, apart from sharing the good news about our crucified and resurrected Jesus, is educational help. Now, parents will sign up. If they're Muslim parents, they'll say, yeah, sure, we'll sign. Your child will receive Christian instruction, but we really just want to get, you know, the after-school tutoring and the food and all the other opportunities that the child gets. Many of the kids in Indonesia get all sorts of different benefits, and I'll give you one example. So you spend $48 a month to sponsor a child. When I was on my first trip to Indonesia, I'd see Kumon stickers on the back of cars. And I, I asked, how much does it cost for a child to go through Kumon? Does anyone know Kumon? I don't want to promote Kumon. My kids did Kumon. It's about $130 a month. In Indonesia, it's four, back then it was $40 a month. So I found out that many of the Compassion kids, because they were sponsored and they were poor, 
they received Kumon for free. I thought, wow, so we pay $48 a month and a child gets $40 in Australian dollar terms of educational benefit. So you're really paying less than $48 a month because so, it's tax deductible. So it's kind of like $36 a month and the child's getting a $40 educational benefit, but on top of that, so much more. And it's no surprise that if you're a compassion sponsor child, you're 80% more likely to finish university and have the opportunity to get out of generational poverty. And it happens because people like us just keep going. We pay our $48 a month. We do not grow weary of doing good. I want to thank you because you have not grown weary of doing good. You've continued to sponsor 44 kids. So let's keep doing that. So when should we do it? Well, in the next slide, you see two Greek words again. At the proper time, kiddo, verse 9, as we have opportunity, get on. I don't know if that opportunity is the best translation. I think opportunity in terms of while you're alive, while your heart is beating at a Christian, as a Christian, with this life that our generous God has given you, with your Christian life, let us do good to all people. Not now and again when it might be cute to do something nice for someone. It should be part of our DNA. We are Christians who do, do good to all people. And I want to thank you for living out these verses over three and a half years. They have been very difficult years in the developing world. Many parents of compassion children have died and many more parents of unsponsored children all over the world have died, particularly Latin America, where both parents have died of COVID in the colder places. In some cases, the entire ministry team has died. I've never seen so many calls going out to inform sponsors the parents have died. They have been really difficult years. And right now we're in the middle of a global food crisis. In Africa, every minute, there's an extra person dying of malnutrition. As we came out of COVID, global inflation went up, the price of food went up, and the people that needed the food the most to survive well, they had the least ability to buy that more expensive food because many of them had lost their livelihoods during COVID. It has been a tough time. And yet, in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, churches in those places are continuing to do good. And we are hearing reports from all over the world that this is an extraordinary time of growth in Christianity because churches have been salt and light in their communities and people are turning to Jesus in large numbers. Governments have not been able to, to care for millions and millions of people. But churches with big hearts who have not grown weary of doing good, they have continued. And people have seen the love of Jesus. And those churches have been relentless because it's part of their DNA. Living out these verses, it's part of their DNA through the Holy Spirit who empowers them. And we have the awesome privilege of partnering with these churches. And praise be to our Lord Jesus Christ for raising up his church, raising up you and I, for raising up his church globally to do good to all people with the lives that our generous creator has given us. And, of course, that reflects our saviour, Jesus. That's his story too. He did not grow weary in doing good. He went all the way to the cross for us. And he, in fact, gave his whole life. He generously gave his whole life so that we can gain eternal life. I want to leave you now with a final, actually I'll leave you with a final image and then a final clip. Imagine a family, this is a hypothetical family, <clears throat> I don't think there's a family like it anywhere in the world, 
Imagine a family where everyone in the family has perfect love for each other and no one misses out and they're always looking to the needs of others outside the family. You would call that a beautiful family, wouldn't you? Now imagine a church family, a global church family. Everyone's looking out for, they all love each other and they're all looking out for the needs of each other within the global church and outside the global church. Well, I would call that a beautiful church, just like our beautiful Saviour. Our beautiful, self-giving God, our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll leave you with a final clip, and I'd love to talk to you afterwards as well about anything from today's passage and also about sponsorship. On my first trip with Compassion, I went to the first church and I said to the guy that was leading the trip, this is a setup, right? You've taken me to the best church in Indonesia. He's like, really? Well, let's go to a few more. And after 10 trips, I realised they're all the same. We visited this church. It was in a clearing. We had to drive a long way. Then we had to leave the car. We had to trek through the jungle. We went to this opening, came out to this opening. There was a little town that had been put up, uh, set up by medical missionaries in 1910. And they'd been trying to reach the community, trying to reach the community. Then sponsorship came along. And the poorest kids in the community were grafted into the church community. And that town had become a Christian town. And they were reaching out to the other villages. And the children that are going to be singing in this clip, it's a very poorly recorded clip. In fact, I still have a 10-year-old phone. It was recorded on this phone 10 years ago. Pretty amateurish, but it was really moving for me to see these kids who didn't know any English, but they knew we were coming, and for one month they'd been practicing this very common Indonesian song. They'd been practicing it so they could sing it to us in English. And then I realized that kids all over Indonesia, this was a very common song in Indonesia and also in the Philippines, kids all over Southeast Asia are singing praises to our self-giving God, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. So thanks for listening and enjoy the clip. Yeah.